is a time. I think it is. Let's go. Science AF. Science AF. Yeah. Science AF. Science AF. Science AF. Science as fuck. Welcome to Science AF, everybody. I'm Dr. Dave Chacho, and I am decidedly not a doctor. I'm a former rocket scientist, future Bolton brain, barely a comedian aspiring zaddy and semi-pro science enthusiast and i am science a f which stands for science as fun as can be this show is a comedy podcast an animated series of video shorts or video series of shorts animations a series of video animation shorts video short animated series any combination of those words is true about this podcast which is about the WTF the oh me fucking G an LMFAO and sound off in my pants of science. I summarize and explain to you recent science news, discoveries, and breakthroughs because you don't have time to or want. Easier to just have the science news injected straight into your face in podcast form and animated you can find the podcast on uh, the audio version on iTunes Stitcher and on my podcast website Pod. And you can find the animated video versions in uh, clip form as Science AF Shorts, the series, which is both on YouTube, and Garage TV, the Garage TV app, which is my app that I made for streaming comedy series. Download it on iPhone. Go to Grudge. That's G dash R A G E dot TV. That's Grudge dot TV or GravyDay.com. Gravy Day Productions, which you can find at GravyDay.com on Venmo, on Patreon. I should say these. Uh, out loud even though they're on the screen if you're watching this on TV's Venmo at Gravy Day P- 
Patreon.com slash Gravy Day. Etsy.com slash shop slash Gravy Day. And you can follow me at Dave Chacho on the socials. Or send me a tip through gravyday.com slash tip slash chacho. In today's episode of Science AF, we're going to talk about Mission to Venus, Hawking Radiation, Contraception for People with Testicles, The Bat Falcon, and Playing with Dolls. It's good for you, whatever gender you are. Plus, we're going to take a look at the gray wolf population and what hunting and poaching has been doing to it. Hint, it hasn't been doing the gray wolf population any good at all. Then we're going to take a deep dive into the International Space Station. What's happening? Is it going to die? Are you going to die when it crashes into you suddenly falling from the sky? Check that out later in deep dives. And finally, we're going to take a look at... National Day of Unplugging and the concept of screen time is it bad for you? Well of course you've heard a thousand news reports about how screen time is bad for you the only problem is this is common nonsense screen time well it's a mixed bag we're going to take a look later. And now, let's get this pony show on the pony trail. And let's do some science. This is Science AF News. Did Venus once have oceans? Is it truly as hot as the goddess it's named after? NASA's sending a mission to find out. Uh, They're sending a probe to Venus later this decade. I think it's probably going to be closer to like 2028, perhaps. Uh, To Venus. Not only to fly around but to drop right in we're dive bombing Venus to see what's under those sulfuric acid clouds Uh, of course Venus is the hottest planet on record as far as the our solar system record goes Venus takes it away even hotter than Mercury which is closer but it uh, doesn't have the whole greenhouse effect uh, that Venus does. So far, we haven't really seen 
much at all of Venus's surface. It's covered in clouds. It's uh, hot as F. It's uh, got a high pressure atmosphere that would uh, crush you like a little crushed thing. Um, so what are they doing? They're sending a one meter diameter titanium sphere that will free fall into the atmosphere. They're just, that's right, they're dropping a big titanium bomb the size of a toilet right on Venus. Hopefully they won't take that as a declaration of war from Earth. But uh, here's what it's going to look like. There's a little... Three months after our second flyby, Da Vinci will release its atmospheric descent probe. There's a Da Vinci mission that will be flying around Venus, and then it's going to drop the lander. There it is. This is a video. If you're listening to this on audio, you can find this video on YouTube. It's called NASA Returns to Venus with Da Vinci Mission Explained. It's a big old titanium ball, just like advertised. It's going to be dropping in, um, according to this animation, uh, with a little uh, parachute. Take some readings. And find out what Venus has underneath those meat curtains. Next! Could echoes from colliding black holes prove Stephen Hawking's greatest prediction? That prediction being Hawking radiation. If you are in the black hole, no, then uh, you'll know that Stephen Hawking one of his most famous theories is that black holes don't just sit there, they evaporate like puddles, like giant crushing puddles that will kill you right out of this existence in this universe. Uh, Hawking radiation has to do with these little virtual po uh, particles that pop in and out of existence all over the ether of the universe and uh, he theorized that uh, these theoretical particles popping into existence could uh, right on the event horizon of a black hole two particles come into existence and they get ripped apart and one of them flies off that would make the mass of a black hole slightly less than it used to be, thereby making the black hole evaporate. Anyway, now we have this new thing called the LIDO, L-I-D-O, uh, Laser Interferometer Gravitational Wave Observatory, LIGO, not what I said, LIGO, not LIDO. Uh, which is basically something that can uh, uh, detect gravity waves 
when two black holes collide far, far away from Earth, they make the entire universe ripple like a fucking puddle. It's very cool. And we can now detect when that happens. And so they did detect this happening and uh, there was a little bit of, um, let's see, uh, a body, a Betty and his colleagues theorized that gravitational waves interacting with the black hole's event horizon could uh, stimulate the production of Hawking radiation to levels that exceed spontaneous emissions. What does this mean? That means that when they measured two black holes colliding, they might have actually measured Hawking radiation for the first time. Hasn't been uh, conclusively proven yet, but the researchers' st statistical analysis says there's a 0.5% odds, about 1 in 200, that the signal is just noise. That means 199 to 200 chance. 199 and a half? No, 199 and 200 chance that uh, Hawking radiation is real. Just like Stephen Hawking said. And if, in the immortal words of the sadly deceased Mr. Hawking, silence. I don't need anyone to talk for me, except this voice box. Next in news, heating up testicles could solve a major male contraceptive issue. Uh, there aren't many male contraceptives available. We've been hearing about them coming for, well, all my life. I've heard science has been promising to do something about those pesky little spermies for decades and we still have nothing but condoms and vasectomies neither of which are a uh, very good solution um, there is a solution there is a way to turn testicles off and that's to make them warmer uh, if you warm up testicles just a bit you could give up uh, you, could, you would have a way to turn sperm production on and off at will because the warmer they get, the less fertile they get. One major problem, though, don't just uh, wrap those golf balls in a heating pad because they can be irreversibly destroyed if they become too warm. You can't just plop them on the grill for a minute and a half and then <laughs> expect to not have any babies. I mean, you won't have any babies if after you do that, but uh, you won't have any testes anymore either. You'll have grilled Rocky Mountain oysters, which are delicious, I hear. So this new solution um, is to inject nanoparticles or gold nanocylinders. Okay, imagine 120, a tube of 120 gold atoms uh, with a diameter of 30 gold atoms uh, basically just little tiny almost microscopic I mean not almost actually microscopic little flecks of gold in your balls and then uh, they turn on infrared radiation uh, which causes the particles to heat up 
from around uh, 86 Fahrenheit to about 99 to 150 Fahrenheit. And then all the sperms together go, ah. And they dead. So this isn't on the market yet. More promises, promises. But uh, let's hope in the future all of us who have testicles on our human bodies will be injecting them with gold. Next in news, the Bat Falcon. Spotted for the first time in the United States. It's a cross between a bat and a falcon. No, not really. Bats are mammals. Falcons are not. Uh, but birders have been flocking to Texas to see the country's first ever recorded bat falcon. A very cool looking falcon. Not very big. It's just like cat size. Carnivorous, but it's not, uh, it doesn't eat peeps. It eats, uh, here's a picture of it eating a dragonfly. They eat little mice. They normally live in Mexico. This is the first time it's ever been seen up here. It might be due to uh, the climate changing, that they're starting to move up this way. Of course, Fox News is already sending out bat falcon phobic dog whistles and claiming that a caravan of gay Jewish Mexican bat falcons are heading to your neighborhood to breed with your American kestrels. That's a falcon. But don't believe it. We don't need a falcon wall no matter what. the haters say finally in news children who play with dolls develop key social skills for emotional development people who play with dolls or the children who play with dolls at least tend to think more about other people's emotions and thoughts they have higher rates of social and emotional processing that builds empathy, which they internalize, become part of their lifelong habits. Basically, this is a study that shows that uh, playing with dolls is good for kids, helps them become more social and empathetic humans. Watch less Fox News. It says here, conversely, they found that playing tablets only made children talk about the characters in the game, not enact their roles like they did with dolls. But we're going to take a look at this in common nonsense later. Does modern technology with screens... Is all modern technology with screens evil? As you might have heard many times before. I say no. 
we're going to take a look in common nonsense later. And that is the science news. Gray wolves will get federal protection again in much of the U.S. Uh, thankfully, Judge White, Judge Jeffrey S. White, ruled that uh, the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service improperly took wolves off the endangered list. Um, it was about, I think, 2017 or 18. The far, far, far right-wing administration, uh, which for some reason hates wolves, took them off the endangered list. And then what happened? Well, the gray wolf population has declined, declined by about a third uh, in, let's see, recently. The U.S. gray wolf population has dwindled substantially following the loss of federal and state protection. And with a new study estimating that the decline of 27 to 33% in the year leading up to April 2021. So basically they're saying, okay, these are a protected species uh, that uh, not for nothing is not a danger to us and is not good eating. So why would we kill them anyway? The insane maniacs in the far, far right-wing administration that used to be in power took them off the list so people could hunt them and immediately in one year 33% of them were dead why well part of that is because poaching is up um, part of po part of the reason is because of uh, snow but, because it says here, that, uh, this is from Popsi, uh, poaching that targets gray wolves may be exasperated by winter conditions because, well, you can track them easier in the snow. But uh, it also found that uh, poaching was up since hunting became legal again on wolves again wolves for no reason who are not a threat to us nor are they food why are they hunted we don't know but uh in wisconsin the odds of a wolf dying uh is more, most likely to die of poaching than any other cause that's disgusting Let's take a look at, here's a Wikipedia entry for a list of wolf attacks in North America. I just wanted to, in case you thought like maybe that the, it was the wolves, the wolves were the aggressor. Let's take a look at how many fatal wolf attacks we've had in the last hundred years. Here's one from 2010. That's already 12 years ago. That was the most recent, 12 years ago. Here's one from 2005. 
Then the, the third most recent, 1996. The fourth most recent, 1989. Fifth most recent, 1943. That's five attacks in 60, 80 years, something like that. Another one in 42, 1923. In 100 years, here's one from 22. In a hundred years, there have been less than ten fatal wolf attacks, and uh, let's see, some of them were uh, a rabbit, a couple of them were rabbit, two of them were cap captive wolves in captivity, um, a couple of them were predatory when the the uh, it says here food was becoming scarce and a pack of wolves attacked somebody. Uh, I, I just wanted to bring up the fact that the wolves are not the problem here. In terms of our current events in uh, Europe and Asia, the wolves are the Ukraine and the fucking Republicans with guns trying to kill them are the Putins. In conclusion, here's an open letter to people who shoot and kill wolves. Hey, you have no need or reason to murder wolves. They don't hurt people. They don't make good food. If they're killing your chickens, build a better fence around your chickens. Wolves were the first animal to see humans hanging around campfires who said, that's what I want. They said, me too. They, they've got the right idea. Let's be friends. They're humanity's oldest, bestest buddies, and they're nature's good little boys. That's right. That's that's right. Yes, they are. They're nature's good little boys, aren't they? Oh, my God. This is Medside's AF Shorts. Next up, let's take a deep dive into the space station. There's a lot of drama about the space station happening right now. So, starting with NASA announced plans to de-orbit the space station uh, into, uh, this is in 2030 or 2031, uh, they're going to de-orbit the space station which, by the way, is the size of a football field now into Point Nebo, an area also known as the South Pacific Oceanic Uninhabited Area, or where they've dropped 263 pieces from space since 1971. I mean... Get some diving gear and uh, go check it out if you want a souvenir satellite. NASA is working with commercial partners to attach docking modules to the station and is hoping to establish at least uh, one of three commercial space stations with the help of private industry. They're also planning to send astronauts to the moon before the station retires well okay 
there's the news from February of 2022. What 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 happened after that? The head of Russian space program threatened to leave behind an astronaut and crash the space station into the U.S. What now? You might have seen this story. It was covered by all the late night shows. Uh, the the head of the Russian uh, Roscosmos, Dmitry Rogozin, um, put up a, a video threatening to take home the the uh, the two Russian cosmonauts who are on the space station. Here's a picture of them. And leave the English guy, uh, Mark Vendahai, 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 Mark Vendahai, who is an importer-exporter from Vendahai Industries. According to a rumor I heard on Seinfeld. So, uh, let's see that video. There's the cosmonauts waving goodbye. Hugging the astronaut, I guess. Blasting off from the space station. And then a bunch of Russian suits clapping. And now, check out this animation. Bye-bye, Russians. Oh, and they're the American part, which is most of the rest of the station. Oh. It crashes and burns. Okay. That was weird. And then the... But then there was this story just a few days ago from Ars Technica. No, Russia has not threatened to leave an American astronaut behind in space. Say what now? The source of this news to Strand Van de Hey appears to be a video published more than a week ago by Kremlin-aligned publication RIA Novosti, RIA Novosti. Uh, it's basically state TV, but they shared it, acknowledging that the video was a joke. Okay, so is it true that they threatened to crash the space station into Earth? Yes. Did they say it was a joke? Yes. Was it a good joke? No. Was NASA planning to deal with it anyway in 10 years? Yes. So what's the truth? What's going to happen? The truth is, uh, both the two cosmonauts and uh, Van de Hey, the American, are going to leave the space station as they were planning to. They're not going to leave them behind to crash, and the station is not coming down on your house, uh, at least anytime soon. They're going to uh, take a Russian rocket and land in Kazakhstan. Uh, 
and hopefully they'll make it back safe and everything will be fine. It was just an empty threat. Uh, you know, some of those uh, right-wing Russians are mad at America for not letting them randomly murder a million people. Well, maybe we are letting them, but we don't like it. Now, what's really going to happen? Can we save it? What if what if Russia does detach their peace? What would happen? Well, let's see. According to Ars Technica, NASA officials believe the space station has at least a decade of lifetime left in it. Uh, and it says here it's been negotiating with the international partners to expand the operating agreement through 2030. And they have tentative talks, or tentative steps to pre prepare for life in low Earth orbit after the station retires. Uh, that seems to directly contradict the other story. Let's see. At its most basic level, to keep the station flying, Russian provides fuel and thruster capability to periodically reboost the station to a higher altitude. So it, uh, I guess it occasionally needs a little boost to stay flying, and that's where Russia comes in. Uh, NASA has gyroscopes, and its solar panels uh, generate virtually all the electricity in the station. And so the Russian side has the rockets. The American side has the solar panels. Um, there are cables running between the U.S. and Russian segments for amionics, thermal control, power communications. But it, uh, let's see, NASA has not spoken about any plans uh, to disentangle it, it says here, disentangling the U.S. segment from the Russian segment would be difficult, but it would be doable. Um, basically, if the Russians did detach their part of the station, we would have to send up our own uh, Cygnus-fueled rocket. Uh, and uh, we let's see, it's a, Northrop has been able to build about three Cygnus vehicles a year. Uh, it would probably need to provide more to have a fueled Cygnus docked at the space station at all times for maneuvering. That means basically we could send our own rocket up there to attach to the space station and keep it flying without the Russian piece at all. So, dasvidanya, Russians. But it doesn't look like they're going to do that. Also, uh, something that's not stated in all of the... Uh, Articles that uh, breathlessly claimed that Russia is going to kill one of our astronauts is there's other there's a German and, and uh, a few other Americans on the station, too. So it's not just that one American uh, who knows why they made that stupid video, but chalk it up to. Uh, far-right uh, totalitarian anger at our freedoms um 
So what is it? Which is it? One of the articles said that NASA planned to deorbit the station in 2030. The other one said that it's looking to keep it going past 2030. Well, they're both kind of true. NASA did release a comprehensive plan uh, to deorbit the International Space Station in 2030 and, quote, uh, the private sector is financially and technically capable of developing and operating commercial low-Earth orbit destinations. So there's basically going to be some commercial space stations happening, and uh, they will probably will deorbit the real space station. I don't know why they don't just uh, keep it up there and build on it. I guess because it takes more and more upkeep as the decades wear on. It was started in 1998, by the way. This is a, a look at the actual NASA report from, from this year, 2022, um, talking about, uh, let's see, re-entry for early 2031. So that means they're planning to crash the space station into the ocean, the Nemo Point, in 2031 although there might when that date comes closer they might push it off basically that's what it means uh they predict that it's going to become hard to keep updating it past that point but uh that is the current plan and now to add to the drama when i was reading this abstract from nasa it says here, the ISS partnership is examining the recent technical issues aboard the Russian segment, primarily the atmospheric leak in the service module. What was that? So I looked into that. This is also from Mars Technica. Russia threatens criminal charges against a NASA astronaut. This happened three years ago, uh, 2017, I believe, or 2018. Uh, there was a hole found. It was a leak in the Russian segment of the International Space Station. And Russia blamed it on us. The Roscosmos said it completed an investigation into a hole found on the, the Soyuz spacecraft when the vehicle was docked to the International Space Station. Look at that hole. There's a picture of it here. That is not a random hole. That is a drilled hole. You can tell because there's drill marks all around it from where the person who drilled it apparently was fumbling around before they actually got the hole drilled. Who did this? It says a micrometeoroid strike. Micrometeoroid strike was ruled out. Uh, Russian media reported that the hole had been caused by a manufacturing defect. Mm, seems iffy. Sources in the Russian government stated the baseless rumors that perhaps a disgruntled NASA astronaut drilled the hole. This, this happened in 2021. Well, they found the hole in 2018, but in 2021, they, the Russian news service published accusations that a an astronaut, a woman named Aunon Chancellor, that's her last name, Aunon Chancellor, 
had a, a, an acute psychological crisis and uh, while suffering an instance of deep vein thrombosis and drilled a hole in an attempt to expedite or return to Earth. Um, they also reported that Aonan Chancellor may have drilled the hole due to stress after an unsuccessful romantic relationship. What the F? Um, NASA shot back that none of the U.S. astronauts on the station were near the Russian segment where the Soyuz vehicle was docked when the leak occurred or the moment it began. Uh, it, so it wasn't us, us being American astronauts. It could have been a defect in manufacturing or did someone in the Roscosmos, did one of the uh, cosmonauts drill that hole? For some reason, to sabotage the International Space Station way before the Ukraine invasion? Nobody knows. But in summary, don't look up expecting to see the space station crashing down in your head. It's not going to happen. At least for about nine years, at which point it's going to fall into the ocean. This has been a deep dive. Next up, common nonsense. Common nonsense. Common nonsense. We just missed it on March 4th from sundown to sundown from March 4th to March 5th. We just missed the National Day of Unplugging. As soon as the Valentine's decorations go away, all the stores start putting up their National Day of Unplugging. The National Day of Unplugging is a scheme to get people to agree to unplug from technology, quote unquote, for one day, for one 24-hour period. Um, why? Nobody knows. Strangely, unplugging from technology does not have uh, does not mean not driving, well, even though that's technology. Doesn't mean no turning on lights uh, because that's technology. It doesn't mean not ordering uh, Amazon packages. Well, maybe it means not ordering them because you're not looking at any screens. But the point is, of all the technologies we have, why have we had, why is screen time the one that's being strangely demonized in all of our media these days? Even my phone has a screen time thing that keeps popping up, even though I don't give a shit about my screen time. Why? Well, I'll tell you. Because there's never been a conclusive study that shows that screen time 
is at all bad for you. In fact, there's been some studies that might suggest that certain types of screen time are actually beneficial. So why unplug? Why keep track of your screen time? There's no real reason except people just have got it in their head. It's like this armchair quarterbacking technology. It sound it seems like it's bad to look at screens and it's better to look at flowers. But is it? Let's take a look. What do we really know about kids and screens? Here's an article from the American Psychological Association. By the time research on screen time reaches the public, it's often framed in black and white terms. Guide, guidelines setting out strict time limits or news reports with titles like, Our Screen's Bad for Kids. In reality, though, screen time research has been much less than definitive. Uh, let's see. Critics charge that much of the research backing up these, these screen time guidelines is correlational, cross-sectional, or based on self-report. Many studies lump all screen time together in one category. What this means is, first of all, there's no real good studies about if screen time is bad, but also, what is screen time? It's like window time. You can look through a window at your friend who you're having a conversation with, or you can look through a window at a murder. <laughs> it doesn't mean windows are bad if you witness a murder through one. There are things you can do with screens that are good or bad, and uh, most studies have lumped all screen time together. Here's a study uh, from 2020. Time on screens has little impact on kids' social skills. All right? Every boomer sitting on a couch watching TV will tell you that kids who look at their screen too much have terrible social skills. Well, that's bullshit. Uh... Researchers compared teacher and parent evaluations of children who started in kindergarten in 1998 with those who began in 2010. Results showed both groups of kids were rated similarly on interpersonal skills, self-control, and ability to regulate their temper. Uh, Some social skills actually went up modestly for children born later. Shocking! This seems to indicate that the kids who are born a little bit later and use screens more have better social skills. So why are we unplugging our screens? Common nonsense!
Here's an article called The Truth About Screen Time. Many contend that screen time has contributed to childhood obesity, depression, anxiety, and antisocial, unfocused behavior. They say that screen use is robbing this generation of their full potential of childhood. They liken screens to digital heroin. Uh, they, uh, with the ability to turn your, your sweet six-year-old into a psychotic junkie. They ask whether screen time is dangerous and how to put brakes on its use. But these pieces have all one common thread behind the, beyond the panicked tone. The very nature of digital screens disrupts the course of childhood brain development. And there is a dearth, that means almost none, research. There's very little research regarding the effects of media use on the brilliant brain. Even with the lack of imperial evidence, the conversation regarding the matter is severely biased. How many times have you heard probably an old grandpa say, put down your phone, stop looking at your screen? It's bullshit. Depending on what you look at, looking at your screen, screen, you might be reading a novel, you might be learning physics, you might be speaking with 50 of your closest friends on Zoom. These are things that are good for you. Learning and social outings. Running through a field of poppies is fine, but if there's nobody else there, you're not being social. You're not reading about physics. You're not learning about things in the world. You're just looking at flowers. There's nothing wrong with looking at flowers. But stop telling me it's better than looking at my damn phone. It's common nonsense. Here's a thing from uh, Colorado.edu uh, 2021. Do screens really hurt kids? Not much, and they may have some benefits. Shocking! School-age children who spend time in front of screens are only slightly more likely to have... Uh, attention disorders, disturbed sleep, or lower, lower grades, and are no more likely to suffer from depression. Finds one of the largest studies to date. They found that screen time is not inherently harmful to our youth. Here's something. Socioeconomic status had 2.5 times greater impact on behavioral outcomes. What does that mean? What are we ignoring when we listen to common nonsense telling us to put down our screen? We're ignoring the problem of poverty. Poverty has a much greater impact on how young people develop and their social skills and learning skills. It is way more important than fucking unplugging your, your phone. Screen time accounted for only about 2% of the variation between kids and the outcome, okay? It's not about screens. Uh, while the study did find associations between screen time and some mental health and psychological problems, this does not mean it caused them. 
What does that mean? That means that kids that are maybe a little more problematic, kids that are born with the ADHD, kids who have more energy, kids who perhaps have a harder time focusing might be given more screen time to help calm them down. They might be drawn to more screen time. It's not necessarily a bad thing. It takes all types. There's no evidence that taking away screens or even limiting screen time is good for your kids. Researchers found that video games played with others can foster relationships. While binge watching shows alone can have negative consequences. So it depends what you're doing. If you're just watching TV and eating potato chips, yeah, maybe screens are bad. At least it's not helping much. Watching some TV is fine. Playing video games is social. Watching TV with friends is even a social activity that has positive outcomes. Here's the association between screen time and children's performance and developmental screening. Okay, caveat, there's a small association with uh, screen time in children aged 24 and thir to 36 months with poor performance on uh, some developmental milestones at 60 months. Okay, so kids who are two and three years old, maybe they don't understand what screens really are yet. They don't have the skills to use screens to the best of their ability. But still, the development, uh, the poorer performance, the developmental milestones was very minimal. And it's, under, it's unclear if greater screen time predicts lower performance on developmental screen tests or if children with poor developmental performance to start with, watch more screens. Is television viewing associated with social isolation? This is from 2006. Viewing violent programs was negatively related to time spent with friends. More time viewing television with friends was associated with more time engaging in other activities with friends. So again, it's not about the screen. It's about what's on the screen. If you're watching violent programs alone, maybe not so good. If you're watching Simpsons with friends, go for it. Reading is bad for your health. I'm going even further back. Much learning doth make thee mad, cautions Acts of the Apostles. That's from the uh, first century, maybe? Maybe the eighth century. Plato's Phaedrus recounts an Egyptian myth. Writing will implant forgetfulness in their souls, and they will cease to exercise memory because they rely on that which is written. 
Knowledge may thus wax, but wisdom will wane. Writing, moreover, is a deceiver as the reading habit grows. Love of the real atrophies. What does that sound like? The day of fucking unplugging. This is centuries and centuries ago when much before the technology of screens, reading was said to be bad for you. Novels were said to be evil. Both having opposed four bad side effects of reading according to uh, the 19th century. In the 19th century, they said if you read fiction, it made your mind flabby. Stories can leave you dissatisfied with reality. People are... Uh, uh, novels stoke the emotions. And uh, sensational works can numb the soul to tragedy. Okay? The point is that this sort of uh, anti-art movement, anti-technology movement, has been around for thousands of years. Basically, baby boomers, since the year zero CE, Baby boomers have been saying that whatever new piece of technology or artistic expression the new the young people are using, whether it's a a novel or a television set or an iPhone, with no evidence, they're going to tell you it's te- it's bad for you. In all cases. It depends on what the content is. Finally, here's an open letter from a bunch of scientists. Screen time guidelines need to be built on evidence, not hype. Okay? It's common nonsense that screen time is is universally bad for you. It says here, Socrates railed against the dangers of writing for fear that it would nurture forgetfulness in the learner's soul because they will not use their memories. That's the same point I was trying to make. This message uh, that many parents will hear is that screens are inherently harmful. This is not supported by solid research and evidence. Furthermore, the concept of screen time itself is simplistic and arguably meaningless. Like looking through a window, you could look, you can see anything through that window, good or bad. It's not the window's fault. The screen is a window to all of the, all of the combined human knowledge of the entire planet and history that we have assembled and put on the internet. Through a screen, you can learn anything that is known by humans you can learn how to build a car from scratch you can learn how physics works you can read a novel you can talk to grandma or you can play grand theft auto these all have different things different pluses and minuses different things they bring to the table Screens can increase your social skills. They can teach you physics. They can also make you bored and fat if you're just 
watching reruns all day. It's all about the content. So, there's no consistent evidence that more screen time leads to less outdoor play, it says here. So, in conclusion, in this open letter that's printed in theguardian.com, we all agree, the undersigned, and I agree with them, that further research is necessary and urge the government and research funding bodies to invest in this so that clear policy and better guidelines for parents can be built on evidence, not hyperbole and opinion. Signed, a bunch of nerds who are really smart, and I agree with them. And that is common nonsense. This has been Science AF. I've been your host, Dr. Dave Chacho, and I am definitely not a doctor. Follow me on the socials at Dave Chacho. Science AF is part of GravyDay.com. Gravy Day Productions can be found at GravyDay.com. Venmo us at GravyDay. Patreon.com slash GravyDay. Our Etsy shop slash shop slash GravyDay. Buy some cool 3D printed shit that I got on there. And please download the new Garage TV app from GravyDay.com or you can find it at Garage.TV. That's G-R-A-G-E.TV where you can download the iPhone app that streams Science AF and some other shows. Thanks for listening. Thanks for your support. We just did some science. Science AF. Science AF. Science AF. Science AF. Science AF. Science as fuck. Hmm. Bye bye.